0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm just back from hiking on a beautiful trail in Montana. Ty and I are now uh, outside of the beautiful small town or small city of Bozeman, Montana. And I just can't believe what happened this morning. I was doing a reading, so Ty went out for a walk before our hike. And I got an email a little while later from a woman Who follows my work, but we've never met. And she said, was that tie I passed on the road in Bozeman, Montana? Can you believe that everybody from anybody in the whole world? She said she's on vacation from the Washington, D.C. area. And she had an intuitive hit that she would run into us on this trip. And so we're going to get together tonight. I just love how the web works. So with that little bit of magic... We are going to now introduce my guest today. Her name is Joy Sackett Wood, and she's coming to us from England, where it's 9 o'clock at night. Not too late for her, but she has a wonderful new book called From Whole H-O-L-E to Hole, W-H-O-L-E. E, Embracing the Transformational Power of Grief and Loss I know so many of you tune into this program because you are trying to come to terms with the passing of a loved one And I hate how we say the word loss, but we can't get around it in our language But my work and Joy's work is all about showing us that it doesn't have to be seen as a loss So, Joy, welcome to the show Hello,
1: thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to be here and talk well, you. Thank you so much. I, I know your book is
0: doing very well, and I'd like to start by you sharing your, your work background before we talk about the book. I, I prefer not to read people's biographies. I like to hear it in their own words. So tell everybody your story.
1: Oh okay well, my story um my story is quite long and diverse because I'm a you know older person um uh, my first career was in fashion design and my second career was in uh, secondary school teaching for um 20 years or so i actually taught religious studies which is not a very sexy subject but <laughs>
0: um
1: yeah. you know, it was one that i felt very passionate about and taught it from a sociological and philosophical Um, approach so um, and so naturally um, I transferred my skills uh, deciding to uh, retrain as a as a counsellor and psychotherapist and that then went into hypnotherapy went into um, Reiki went into uh, hypnoreiki so all sorts of modalities and I've been in my own therapeutic business now for 13 years so that's uh, that's where I'm
0: coming from yeah I love that that you've had various careers and and so many of us can identify with following your passion and your name is joy following your joy and I find it rather interesting though that your new career prepared you for what happened to you in your personal
1: life would you share that with us please Yeah, Um, well, I have, like I say, I've been working therapeutically with people for a very long time, and I've worked with grief and helping people through their grief experiences with my training and experiences. But um, it wasn't the actual past of my own son, which happened suddenly and unexpectedly um, in October 2018, just one day before his uh, big 40th birthday. Um, and I was obviously uh, traumatized and bereaved, and found myself going through a major grief experience myself. Um, that I, you know, was experiencing in a way that I hadn't experienced grief experiences before. I mean, of the loss of a. A mum and a dad and a brother and other friends and people, but um, the loss of my son suddenly and unexpectedly was, uh, you know, quite a major, uh, you know, significant time in my life. So, um, using my therapeutic knowledge and awareness, I knew that I would need to tend to my grief needs. Um, and I chose to do that in my way and uh, I, I felt quite passionately that I didn't really want to become you know a victim in my experience I wanted to take charge of it I wanted to go with the flow of it and go through my process in it and my way of doing it was to do a lot of reading and research and give myself time out. So the the fact that I am, although a qualified person, didn't stop me from having the pain and the suffering and, you know.
0: Yeah, that, that was my going to be my big question. I know that's what everybody wanted to know. So was it easier for you because <laughs> you knew what you knew or you know what you know?
1: Helped prepare me. I think I had it sort of, uh, you know, the inner knowledge and understanding that I would have to go through a process, which was is a well known process in therapeutic terms by um uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross. But I, I also wanted to tend to it in my way and take control of the situation. So everything that had gone on. Uh, through the grief of the uh, getting over the, the trauma, I had an awareness of the impact it would have on my brain, which is what I write about in the book, uh, the power of the uh, neuroplasticity to help us to uh, address the trauma. A lot of people don't understand that. They're not aware that the brain actually is uh, flooded with a chemical called cortisol and puts us into fight or flight. So I was understanding on one level. Exactly, what was going what I was experiencing, and what I helped other people with. But it was my own experience, of course, as well, that I was tentatively caring and managing at the same time as dealing with what I had to deal with. So, as much as I, yeah, I had the professional understanding and the knowledge, I also had to, on another level, uh, just cope with it and find my way through it.
0: So that raises a question in my mind. You said that you were already counselling people who were in grief. Did you have any moments, and perhaps not, when you thought, oh, I was counselling people this way or that way, but it's so different now that it's me?
1: Um, Not in in truth, no. In truth. Um, the compassion and understanding that I had before and the, the knowledge and experience was there but this was a different kind of um, grief because it was my son and I think it, you know it's because of the bonding and the attachment that makes it unique and different so what it has done is helped me to understand people who have had a loss of a child more oh, significantly yeah. and that was part of my learning growth that's, you know, that was something that I wasn't really prepared for. And 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 in that effect, that's given me a better understanding when I have got someone it comes to see me. And I must say, I put my work on hold for um, three months huh. and to make sure I was, re- you know, present for my uh, clients. I wasn't going to put myself in the position where I wasn't totally for them.
0: Yeah. I don't know. You must be psychic because that was my next question for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do know several counsellors who have had uh, very close family members transition, like your son, Jack, and uh, they definitely put that on hold. How did you know you were ready to go back to work?
1: Um, I could feel it in myself. I knew that I was uh, had processed most of the, the overwhelming emotions. Uh, which at first is um, the overthinking the hypersensitivity the feeling of uh, you know the lack of concentration anxiety oversensitivity tell tell me about
0: overthinking I don't understand that term as as it relates to grief yeah that's
1: that's due to the trauma so the brain while it's Processing this awful and unexpected shock experience. It's almost like having an electric shock go through us. Yeah, it shakes us all up on every level. So um, with the cortisol, we get into fight or flight. So literally the body, we're geared up, the primeval part of the brain for survival. So, um, you know it works with getting our muscles into tension to help us either to put up the fight or go from the f- flee away from the threat well, of course, if it's a threat that we can't run or put fight, it stays stuck in the body it literally stays absorbed into our you know physical body our, our our rational body our mental self our emotional self and our spiritual self and our energetic self which is what i explained in the book so it's all it's all um a, a natural process and in that natural process sleep is disrupted because we are in that still in that state of disturbance where the brain is trying to understand the unexplainable, the unexplicable Mm -hmm. that something's happened, a a terrible thing has happened out of the... uh, out of order and unexpected. So we haven't got any remit to go by because memory is all about pattern making. And so if we haven't got had that experience before, we can't draw upon anything. The memory hasn't got anything in the subconscious to help us to cope. So we get all disturbed and it's a natural thing, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and on every level. So no matter how prepared we might think we are, this is the unprepared thing, yeah? yeah. So um, we don't sleep very well because the cortisol is still running around in the body. We need to find a way of being able to to deal with that. Um, our concentration levels then are affected because we're poor sleep. Um, everything is, is disturbed. We don't wake up refreshed and ready for a new day because sleep helps us to... You know, not just make new cells and um, you know hair, mm-hmm. skin, and nails. We're recharging our cellular self as well. So every single part of our being is not being refreshed and re-energized. So it's like the snowball effect. It is a snowball effect on every single level. Then we get poor appetite. Most people either get a loss of um, appetite mostly because the digestive system is disturbed um, might get physical aches and pains as well in the early stages of grief so the, the reason why I felt compelled to write the book was to help people to understand this that what they're going through is a, is absolutely part of the grief its journey or experience that they're having. I and can I'm,
0: hear a lot of my readers right now saying, "Yes, that's me. That's me." I definitely identify with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and when I when people first come to me, um, when I you know for grief, and they're experiencing grief, many feel that they don't understand what's happening to them because they don't know about the grief.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sure. It's a new
0: experience and one we'd never would ask yeah. to have because it's so miserable. But how, how we'll jump ahead because I wanted to get in this in the second half, but we might as well now. How do you deal with the physiological aspects like the cortisol that's rushing through the system?
1: Yeah, um, I offer lots of suggestions and tools and techniques to help people through that in the in my um built through the resilience process. The model that I've I, I devised, and and it is building a resilience, but it's being kind to themselves and actually going with the flow. It's actually actually letting them letting ourselves go with that. And if we can't sleep, to get up, and if we want to do something creative, read or use that time more effectively. That's a suggestion I would make. A lot of artists and people who are very creative don't sleep through the night very often. That's when they're most inspired. Um, And this is what I found too. And also it's uh, attending to your eating healthily and when they can eat, even if it's little and often, Um, getting fresh air, going for a walk, going for exercise. So really being compassionate and nurturing to themselves. Yeah. Are there any
0: physiological tools that come to mind that can, when you're aware that you're hyper and just the thoughts don't stop coming, is there? are there breathing techniques you recommend or something else in the moment to just calm
1: the system? Absolutely. There's one technique, especially it's quite effective but very simple, and that's three to five breathing, literally just breathing in for the nose for three and out for the nose for five. Because that's, that's my, yeah, that's, that's
0: my, my go-to. Effect.
1: Yeah, um, and it's in for the nose and out for the nose, because that way it's um, you know, the brain—it's telling the brain to be calm. The brain affects the the thought, affects the way we feel and our emotions. So then we got a better feeling because we're doing something proactively, and we feel better straight away. Um, and then the body does home because the body responds to the messages that the brain and the the emotional self is giving and then that has an impact on the way we act so it might sound very simplistic but it's a good place to start to reduce some of the anxiety and the stress because there is anxiety and stress due to the over overwhelm of yeah emotions yeah well your book
0: Is very, very practical, and we'll we'll talk more about those tools. I thank you for what you're sharing already. This is very, very helpful for folks. But you also do tell a bit of your story. How did that feel to share your personal story in a
1: clinical book? (laughs) I did feel quite vulnerable. I did feel quite. I was exposing myself, and um, part of being a therapist and a counsellor is uh, we we don't disclose much about ourselves. Um, it's part of the boundaries, and it's you know, and it is part of the it, the ethics, and it is appropriate. It's absolutely appropriate, but I couldn't leave it out. I just couldn't leave it out, Suzanne, because. It was so profound and so significant that, you know, my son was able to communicate with me from the moment that I, you know, once I got over the um, reeling of the emotion, he came through very quickly. Let's
0: go right there. First, tell us about Jack. And then this is the part that I always love in the messages of hope show that I heard a bunch of people perking up just then like, what, what? So, She's connected (laughs) with her son since he passed. So tell us about Jack and, and how he's communicated
1: with you. Well, straight away, I got um, an indication of what happened because I was away on holiday. Um, At the time, Jack was uh, coming up to his 40th birthday. He died on the 27th of October, 2018. His birthday was on the 28th of October, and it was his 40th. So we were coming back from Grand Canary after a two-week wonderful holiday away, Planning what we we're going to do to surprise him for his birthday. So got in as soon as I put the, the suitcases down. Um, got a call from my ex-husband, John's father. Uh, I knew straight away it was bad news. And yes, it was the most awful news that any mother would want to hear. So um, after I'd had my trauma experience, which I well record in the in my book, um, I was able to calm myself down with my techniques and the others that I talk about in the book. And before I could speak to his sister, and when I spoke to his sister, she came over, I got this wow of a, 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 you know, the sensation of his presence Mm. and a pain shooting down my right leg. I actually screamed because it was so bad. And uh, the the post-mortem actually showed that he had a blood clot in his leg and wow. just, So he communicated what happened right away. Um, let me
0: just let me just take a moment, if I could. In my readings, I also experience the physical symptoms about ninety-five percent of the time of how uh, someone in the spirit world passed, and it's because everything that we experience is frequency, energy, and information communicated through consciousness and so to get that message through to you he simply had to merge with you and share with you a frequency that creates the sense of pain that was beautifully evidential
1: yeah it really was and it was the start it was just the start of how things were going to change my life tell more tell us more amazing absolutely incredible um so during the time that I was planning his funeral, um, things were happening. He was communicating, you know, various things to me. And,
0: we want, um, we want details, the- Joy.
1: We you need want details. details.
0: Yeah, okay. we gotta
1: have the details um well the the first thing was I obviously wasn't prepared so that's something I talk about in the book getting prepared um for everybody to plan what they want um because it's going to be helpful and I offer free resources on my website for that um so I think the the main thing was I decided to paint this coffin lid because um when they were little with my children I used to make them birthday cards it was part of Something I would do, it would be a loving thing I would like to do for them, quite creative. So I just got this real desire and urge to lovingly do that for Jack on his coffin lid. So I had to go through a lot of process to get the coffin lid and to do the painting. And I painted... um, it was a visualisation that I had, it was through meditation that came through and it was um, a heart with some um, uh, white feathers and all the chakra colours and hearts flowing down and I did the rainbow and some clouds because I just felt he was in a, a good place, he was in a Beautiful. better place and but I painted the heart red mm-hmm. and I went to bed and I just couldn't sleep. I was being really, really disturbed because the heart wasn't right. And I I don't know why, but the red wasn't right. So I kind of got up. I think they were coming to pick up the the lid about nine o'clock. The funeral service were coming to pick it up at nine o'clock. I got up about three, four o'clock and I thought, I've just got to paint over it white. And... It just felt right. Mm-hmm. Off they went with this lid. <laughs> I'm not really sure what they made of it. But um, uh, at, the, at the actual funeral, uh, one of my long-term best friends, who Jack considered to be an auntie, did a reading. And she talked about red hearts being temporal of, of this life, of the physical world. But the white heart is for peace and of the spiritual world. Uh, nice validation of that. Uh-huh. yeah and I put his um picture in the in the heart and the uh, and the funny thing is later much later I'd got a reading from a uh, an evidential um medium that I know locally and Jack came through to her and he was laughing and he was pointing at his halo and he said i'm an angel now mum I'm an angel now, and he was saying he like you know what it did with the coffin and he was laughing and saying it because when he was alive he would often say no angel mum. i'll never be a <laughs> <laughs> there's been quite a lot actually there's a lot of validations and it's been quite amazing yeah very very helpful
0: wow now did were you on a spiritual journey already before Jack's death, and or either way how has it changed since he passed
1: i'd always been um in- interested and quite uh well a li- little bit here a little bit then dabbling around and curious but i think just before Jack, we were very very much uh, we were talking a lot more on the film about spiritual things in that way and philosophical things and i think it was uh Just us that he was about, he was just before he transisted, that I really, I was going on courses. I was starting to to, do, you know, wanting to be part of development groups more so. I had been for a long time, but it wasn't over, you know, it was just, you know, going through the, Interest. I was just curious more than anything. So now when you,
0: when you use the word development groups and you're in England, to me, that means somebody who's developing the ability to tune into those in spirit. Was it that kind of a circle? Yeah, that's what it was like. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I know you said you taught religious studies earlier, but this was before Jack transitioned. You had started. Yeah,
1: I, I, wow. I had been the for some time, but it wasn't, I wasn't um, that. It was something I was finding interesting, but not that um, involved in, if I might say, because I saw many other things I was doing. So it was mm-hmm. just a, it was another th- um, um, thing I was connecting with in a, in a different level. I've done the Reiki and i had been um, learning Reiki and that was opening up my sensitivities as well. So there was there was things happening. I was on the journey. Mm-hmm. I was definitely right. on a, uh, evolving and going on a journey. Yeah. Right. And what is your relationship with Jack like now
0: across oh, the
1: day? Amazing. Um, Jack has become a teacher to me. Mm-hmm. Um, right. He is, he is uh, well, there's lots of ways he communicates and signs and, um, you know, crystals actually, which I never knew about anything about crystals before Jack um, transisted. And he often... I can feel him and I can see in my mind's eye uh, crystals and those crystals are significant to whatever the person that I'm with so if I'm doing Reiki they, I don't know I was learning through that mm. um, being amazing I mean some of the things he does, he's very clever um, I, in, in words I can hear, I can write in so from doing, I did two courses with you I hope you don't mind me saying Suzanne because That's that propelled me, absolutely propelled me in being able to um, understand, um, but also to communicate on a deeper level with him.
0: Well, I'm very glad to hear that. I was wondering how that you reached out to me to share your book with me and i was curious how you'd found me so i'm glad to hear that we're talking with joy sackett wood and we're going to talk much more when we come back from the break about more of these practical tools for going from a hole in the heart to wholeness so come on back after three minutes We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. We're enjoying a wonderful conversation with Joy Sackett-Wood. She's the author of From Hole, H-O-L-E to Whole W-H-O-L-E. And I know we're all familiar with that feeling of a giant hole in our heart when somebody who's part of our life is no longer physically present. It's like a part of us is missing. And Joy, you were saying on the break, we were just before the break saying you'd taken a couple of my courses. You were saying that you knew Jack had something to do with that because you weren't on my mailing list and suddenly my courses just showed
1: up on your computer yes <laughs> yeah just uh, just out of the blue I, I have no idea how but there you were on from the ne- shift network advertising your your course and, and I, just, I was right i felt the presence uh, you know the energy present and i knew that's what i was being led to do because i've been looking for someone to really direct and you know help me well to
0: your yeah. son would have known that, and I love how you followed that nudge. So clearly, you found a nice balance between your your professional work as a psychotherapist, a counselor, and bringing in the metaphysical aspects of this. I remember in an email that you shared with me, you said that some of your colleagues were a bit taken aback when your book took a metaphysical turn would you share that with us
1: yeah um the i think that what it was is that it's on so many different levels um the feedback's been really good and and the the idea of being able to still have a communication with your loved one um i think that coming into to play with the work that i do They might feel that it crosses some sort of other kind of um, levels and barriers, but they were fine. I mean, I've got some really, you know, pleasing. um, They read the book and they found it really interesting and actually learnt from it themselves. And actually, some have referred it to their clients. They've actually, yeah, yeah, recommended it. I think it was just the initial um, ideas. Some of the ideas that's in there were opening up their consciousness and that's what I intend and hope for the book is that's that right. I found through my by reading and all the things that I um engaged in the referencing that I did uh was all about um transitioning the loss of pain into um you know a, a, the sense of joy and the sense of peace and yeah they, you know filling that hole with wholeness yes Um, so what
0: what are some of the the issues and tools that you share in the book that are more on the metaphysical side
1: what i suggest is that um you know people do start to allow themselves some peace and quiet and meditation in order to be able to um, engage in that intuitive part of themselves, because we all have it, but the busyness of everyday life and, you know, the demands of, of work and business, and there's a lot of people I know are running their own businesses, um, doesn't give the option to be able to take a lot of time out. But in order to self nurture ourselves, especially through grief, I think we need to be able to do that. So some of the tools I or the suggestions that I make, is becoming more intuitive and um, focusing more on the, that dimension, what people call spiritual. Yeah, there's different ways of explaining what spiritual is. Of course, it might mean a traditional religion or it might well be, um, you know, more, um, you know, looking at things in a more uh, holistic way. So the all the way through the book, through my resilient model, as resilience model uh, talk about how we can raise our consciousness to a greater level and to be more open and allow ourselves to be more open to ideas and spiritual connections and new ways of uh, having a different mindset growth what, and
0: what, does, what does that mean to you if I could interrupt a second what does that mean to you to raise one's consciousness
1: it's through learning in education. And opening to new ideas,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think um, people people are, are often questioning. In my experience, people do ponder and reflect and are curious. And I think grief is an opportunity to do that more so. It makes us question life. When someone has a death and we wonder where they've gone, what's happened, is there such a thing as God, is there, you know, an afterlife, uh, is there, you know, is there such a thing as uh, a, a goodness when this has happened to me? So people be- do automatically become more questioning And that's part of the the process in a grave. So while that is happening, what I would suggest is that they open their mind up to the more deeper possibilities and reflections. So they're like prompts. More like prompts and suggestions throughout the book. You, know, you might try this. You might suggest this. You know, you know, you might find this helpful. You might like to read this book. You might, you know, perhaps engage in watching this YouTube or TED talk on some. Because it's just prompts to help to expand that and and enable to um, have a new uh, maybe perspective on life because I think when we go through this shake-up which is part of that trauma then life is not the same again and we're not the same again and our life has changed so in what way has it changed are we going to allow it to shrink us are we going to allow it to the pain to um, keep us trapped in a a place of, of sadness and sorrow or are we going to take it to enable us to expand to grow and to actually transcend that pain so the suggestions that are there are to encourage that beautiful
0: i'm seeing the the scales here with balance in my mind that that i'd like you to speak about okay we we raise our consciousness through through research and reading and thinking about these things. But how about the compassion and love side of raising our consciousness? Address that, won't you? Yes, of course.
1: um, Raising our consciousness through love is being more connected, so learning to become more kind to ourselves and compassionate to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But in effect, that will then have more compassion towards others. So when we understand that actually loving ourselves is, is is important and actually very much part of being connected to others, then, you know, loving is raising our energy vibrations, yeah absolutely now you, what what comes to mind
0: you now as a, what we call a shining light parent with your child as your shining light across the veil and now you're a shining light for others with your book and the help you're bringing to everyone to deal with these the grief and the issues that come from that what advice do you have for especially parents who i see really dealing with guilt when a child passes so many times when there's really no reason for the parent to have guilt.
1: Yeah, that comes up quite a lot. Guilt is very, yeah, very much part of the um, difficulty for some parents. Well, doesn't help them to um, be able to shift through the process. So I would suggest that they would um, consider: Would their child really want them to feel like that? Is that a loving? child would not want their you know parents to, to be beating themselves up and feeling bad and feeling unhappy and stressful often people when you move through as well non they forgot where they were at when the child was around him when they were younger, we're all busy, we all got other things going on, we all got um, other maybe children to look after and, or, or businesses and commitments and responsibilities and, you know, we're, we're only human beings and our children know that, they absolutely know that and, you know, there, there is a, this place of self-forgiveness and allowing lens to, to forgive themselves and to find that way of processing it, that the child definitely wouldn't want us to be stuck in that process. And that's Damn one it. reason the why I wrote the book, is because I have met people for six years, seven years, still feeling very much in that deep sense of grief, because of all these reasons of regret and remorse and uh, anger. Anger keeps us there. That's very much part of it. in um, Really, that is then not living this life as they would want us to live our lives.
0: That's such a great point that you make there because it, it, its it's not the kind of thing we think about when we don't know that our loved ones are still with us and watching us and aware of our feelings. But once you come to know that they are still right here, still part of your life and very much aware and feeling what you're feeling, that really changes things. So I appreciate you bringing that up.
1: Absolutely, which is why I put the examples in the book about my experiences with Jack, even though at the time I felt a bit vulnerable about it. I was a bit shy because I felt like, you know, I've been in the spiritual closet, so to speak. It's important to do that to encourage others that this is possible if they want it. Yeah,
0: is there anything you would have done differently in in how you dealt with jack's passing or writing the book
1: yeah i don't think so um the the whole process was just so so guided and given uh, the way it came into being the way that it, uh, every every chapter that i wrote every everything about it the idea of the resilience um anagram the you know the the name the pictures everything in the book has all been inspired so I love that I love that
0: (laughs) so you've mentioned several times now this resilience process I believe that's your own term for what you teach please
1: tell us about that well when I was um in my early stages of grief and I was reading because that's what I do because I enjoy reading and reading's always got me through all my difficult times Universities um, in the path, I came across a book, and the book was um, about the other side of sadness. And in that book, um, George Bononu he talked. Well, he actually did the first scientific study on grief. Uh, actually, in, in, he was American, and it was paid for. And he did an intensive study and experience and testing on grief in all cultures. Very amazing book, really. What is relevant. his name? George Bonuno. Okay. Yeah, and the other side of sadness. It's really revealing, really interesting um, book. Um, and what I came across that really was significant to me and spoke to me was he was interviewing people that the parents and people that had lost um, uh, you know relatives in the twin towers. And one that he spoke to was a mother, and the mother seemed quite. She had gone back to work, and she was getting on with lot And he said, "Why is? I'm wondering why is about you that made you be able to bounce back or get, you know, return to more normality than the other people I've spoken to have been absolutely devastated." And she said, "I've got resilience." resilience yeah my life diversities and and things that I learned, I've i got an inner strength I've got resilience and not only that my daughter wouldn't want me not to go back to work not to lose my business not to, to feed my our, our brothers and sisters and pay the bills it's not what she would want and she had resilience so it seemed to me that that was a, an appropriate uh, word to use so each of the chapters in the book begins with the first letter. So I've got resilience, which is response, dealing with the practicalities. Education, which is learning all about grief and what you know how it affects us physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, and all uh, all the other ways. Um, surrender, which is making choices, helping us to become more courageous or so given into the the absolute spectrum of emotions that will come through the grief. Um, and I'm encouraged to be able to grieve our way our own way and moving through in our own healthy way um taking the initiative that's developing our own uh, awareness and strategies in order to um move through grief as our own because everyone's individuals, we all experience it individually. Nobody, not one, is the same. And each, like we said, each grief is different. So it's bearing that in mind. But also being aware of um, if someone runs a business, of how it would impact their employees, their staff. Um, I was reaching out to um, people that run their own business, uh, how it would affect them, how to help them through that. Um, love. It's the you know the L, the resilience, and that's all about self-nurturing, self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, to ourselves, making healthy choices and for our own well being, so we can help others too. And then it goes into a deeper level in the second part with intuition that's where we start the uh, spiritual stuff or the for questioning what is meaning and faiths and where cultures come in, and um, you know, all of the different spiritual shifts and ideas in that way. And then empowerment is all about building our confidence and getting stronger for our new learnings, our new knowledge, and expanding ourselves. So this is our spiritual growth and development. And then N is the next level. So that's even going higher into consciousness and personal transition of development. So it goes as far as you want to take it. Basically, it's for everyone to take what they want and um, wherever they feel they can and, and come back to it even mm-hmm. So that's the mindset growth and then change. It's going through that transition, but finding peace in that transition and that's interconnectedness and it's all the spiritual aspects and still being um, obviously in connection with our loved one if that's what we want. And that's our spiritual growth. And then E is the evolution. That's us evolving and the evidence of a continuing soul journey that takes us from whole H-O-L-E to whole W-H-O-L. and to the next layer which is our energetic growth so yeah there's a lot of stuff in there and there's a lot of different levels and there's lots of um you know but but it's not to overwhelm people who have read it said that they find it easy quite easy reading they read it quite quickly but then they come back and then take what they want from where they're at at that stage and help them through
0: I love that you're you're a woman after my own heart. Anybody that studied with me knows with my military background, I love acronyms and the fact that you came up with this this path to turn resilience into an acronym, even if we can't remember what they stand for. I, as you were going <laughs> through it, I couldn't wait to find out what is C and what is E. It's very, very cool. The different levels. I, I know that when people are grieving, they want tools. They want to dig their way out from the most painful thing they've ever gone through. It's, it's the, that suffering leads to openings, and that's just brilliant. It's very empowering. Everything you just shared.
1: Yeah. And that's that's why another reason why I really felt compelled to write it is that when people said to me, I, I don't know, will I ever, you know, what's happening to me? I don't understand. You know, the grief creates people feeling that they're off balance and they are off balance mm-hmm. because of this trauma and it is a shock, and it is something that takes time to be able to work through People can't just get over it. They can't just come through it. They can't just move on. It's something that, you know, we go through individually, each at our own pace and time. And it's the same for each member of the family, too. So I wanted to help people to understand that.
0: So, so. You say t- it takes time, and now it's been—it's coming. It's what two and a half years since Jack passed, and you've worked through a lot of this. But I'm sure that you still get waves of sadness and oh. memories. What do you do in that moment when you when the waves wash over you?
1: Well, I let it happen. I feel it. I allow myself to feel that sadness and grief, and then I look at his picture and I look at him smiling at me he's saying come on mom you know Hmm. you know you're gonna be okay you know it's all right you know I'm here I'm still here with you you know that
0: beautiful. beautiful
1: yeah wow so
0: one thing I like about your book is how each chapter ends with suggestions to help you very very helpful Give us some more suggestions for those who just feel stuck.
1: Suggestions for people who feel stuck. Yeah. When people feel stuck, it's usually because they are not able to feel that they're they're getting their needs met or understood. So I would suggest that, Obviously, the one of the things I would come back to is read my book because there are <laughs> so many suggestions in there, sure. <laughs> sure. and they just came to me as I was writing it. And you know, helping people through that um, tough time is to remember the good times. Remember the, um, you know, I made a memory book of Jack when, in, in the early stages of uh, grief, and it has helped me to uh, process some of the things. And and I think when. When we get stuck, it's that feeling of um, really where am I going to go from here? What is going on? What would I really want? What do I need to do? So the suggestions that I make, I'm not sure if I'm making it very clear, is to be proactive. Mm. It's always good to be able to just find something, even if it's a small thing to do, that's going to enable you to go get shifted so by being proactive we feel empowered it's empowering us so when we say about suggestions and is it that you're feeling um that you know that you're physically not feeling very well well what can i do to improve my health and well-being would it be helpful to go and have some you know treatments like a a reiki treatment because that's really nourishing and relaxing it's also a healing treatment would it be helpful to do some eft and move myself through this which is another energy um technique Mm. that i you know you can learn that for yourself it's a self-help tool i did a little video on my um website to help people to do that for themselves yeah Um, would it be that you need to do some reading? Would it be that you want to go out and speak to a friend and have a coffee and phone a friend? You know, it's all about being proactive. Those so suggestions. Let, let me
0: just give people your website now in case they don't have something they can see in front of them. It's your name, Joy Sackett, S-A-C-K-E-T-T-Wood.com. So I love yeah. that you have those tools available there as well.
1: And there's all free. There's a lot of free um, resources. That's not in the book. But I do refer to some things in the book, and I've actually built on them since. So lots of free stuff there for people if they want it, and so it's you. helpful. Wonderful. Yeah, and people yeah. Have found it helpful. Yeah, you you used the word earlier
0: opportunity, and, and as far as seeing the passing of a loved one as an opportunity, which it kind of makes your heart go, ooh, how can I see that? That seems wrong somehow.
1: Would you expand on? yeah it, it will be yeah may I need to expand on that rather than um rather than yeah I think because of my experiences I was able to say to myself but well, I don't want to be a victim here I want to be able to manage my own grief I want to be able to Um, do things the way I want to do them. I want to, as Jack didn't leave any of his uh, wishes of what he wanted for the funeral or or anything like that and, you know, the uh, things that happen, I I wanted to be able to make all those decisions myself. So I found it as an opportunity to allow myself to be as, um, as empowered as possible in that difficult situation. But also in grief coming through the grief into a transitional state. So learning about yourself more, learning to become more emotionally intelligent. And I think it's a time when people really are not knocked off their, you know, what their normal course of life. And it really does... Make people, uh, you know, aware of their emotions probably more than any other time. When they don't understand it, maybe some people don't understand it and they they uh, worry about it or they get into, you know, other ways of trying to cope, which aren't healthy ways of coping. But there are opportunities within it in order to be able to develop personally, personal development, emotional development, spiritual development, energetic development yeah rational development so it could be you can turn it around everything yin and yang and everything we can turn anything around to our you know an advantage and it's not intended in a disrespectful insensitive way by any means i really don't Oh,
0: people will look back years after a traumatic event or a challenging event and say, see how much they've grown. There's, I didn't mean in any way that you intended it was insulting, and I know people didn't take it that way. I just wanted you to share yeah. some more of what you meant by that. Yeah. So resilience, with just one minute to go here, what if people just say, I wasn't born that way? Is it something they can gain?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think I believe, well, I'm an educator, so I'm (laughs) going to say that, aren't I? You know, I've taken students all the way through from year seven to year 12, and I've seen them. Get GCSEs or A-, A levels and go on to university. I'm bound to say that. And I really do believe it. I believe that we can learn it. And education is empowerment. And learning um, our conscious development is empowerment. And um, learning our energetic awareness is empowerment. And spiritual growth is empowerment. The whole everything is empowerment. And we can learn. I believe we all are able. A- able to evolve and grow and it's part of our soul journey it's part of our growth it's part of where where we you know we need to be and yes life throws things at us challenges are always coming and just as you think you've got over one probably another one to come along because that's part of our soul learnings and our soul journey absolutely
0: and you have just empowered everybody to jump out there and learn more empower themselves I love how you 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 model that joy. So, thank you so much for being on the show. And, everybody, I highly encourage you to read Joy's book, From Whole to Whole. And thank you so much for being part of our journey, Joy.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. See you. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30
0: years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa one to get that information. I answer audience questions and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.